Welcome to the Overreact Podcast in a society that puts women in a box. Let's overreact. I'm your host, Monica Mohoya. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> I'm your girl, Angela Wamboy. And I'm your girl, Lush Angela. But before we start, um, we are highlighting uh, leadership. And being a leader, by all means, is no small feat. It comes with huge responsibilities. And responsibility is the ability to respond. So uh, most people seek higher positions without doing the work. A friend of ours told us, you go into a journey without doing the work of getting in. And then you find yourself struggling, yeah, to get out. So uh, so it takes a certain person uh, or type of a person to not only be in a position of power, but to maintain their position and further rise to the top. Uh, in the words of Dr. Nkonsanzana Dalini Zuma, that's a mouthful, a freedom fighter and the first woman chairperson of African Union, once said, we as Africans must therefore take bold steps and fight for the pride of the place in the world. As a global growth poor, we must develop our narrative challenge conventional thinking and paradigms. We must rekindle the passion of our founders, our people in Pan-Africanism through unity, self-reliance, integration, and solidarity. What an opener. What an opener. And as women in Africa, we must recognize that this content is not only rich in wealth and resources, but it also has many unsung heroes and heroines. And sheroes. Yes. Um, So today we are overreacting with an incredible African Kenyan heroine with whom I am proud to say doubles up as my mentor and this is none other than the head of communications and public affairs for Africa for Google Miss Dorothy Arco. Wow. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome. We are so excited to have you. I am so excited to be with all of you. Oh please first yeah. tell us more about yourself and one interesting fun fact. Wow that's hard. So First of all, I must say, I'm just excited to be with you face to face. You know, I've been a keen follower of the work that you do for the past two years, and I'm really um, thrilled that you're having me for this show. So I am a storyteller. That's how I describe myself. I tell stories about our brand, which is Google, where I work now. I tell stories about our product um, and features that people don't know about our products. I'm also a teacher. I believe I teach people how to use these products. And I really consider the essence of who I am as a teacher. I, I teach people what certain things will help them do. I teach people about programs. I teach people about the power of technology, power of AI and technology. I am also a mindfulness coach, um, reminding people the importance of living in the present moment and what that can do for us. We live in such a, a crazy, chaotic world and the importance of just taking a moment to breathe in is is critical. Recently, with COVID, I also started being a podcaster, so doing what you're doing, um, and it was motivated by two things. I wanted to let people experience the power of breathing, <clears throat> but also tell stories, which is what you're doing. There, you know, there's so many unsung heroes in Africa, and I feel like in Africa we do not tell our stories. We let the West tell our story. So what you're doing really excites me. And that's also what I try to do in my podcast, to No Head Podcast. Is that a plug-in? Is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That yeah. That. <laughs> Your PR <Right>. skills. <laughs> Right. One fun fact about me, I don't even know that Lash knows this, but I love salsa dancing. And um, 
in 2018, just before COVID, I went to Cali in Colombia to a salsa dancing school because I hadn't danced for a while and I didn't want to forget it. So I was in Cali doing hey. salsa caliente hey. and just dancing everywhere. So wherever I am, if there's a salsa song, it doesn't matter which square. I have been caught dancing in any square because I love it. It just makes me so happy. Bailamos, bailamos. <laughs> uh, Dorothy, you bring so much warmth, you know, to the studio. And um, so our overreactors, as we mentioned, we are in the presence of greatness. Um, the Knowledge Warehouse in 2021 named you, Dorothy, as the top 25 most powerful women in C-suite impacting business, which is rightly so, because being the head of communications and public affairs for Google Africa is a very powerful position that comes with a ton of responsibility but one is not given positions without proving themselves. Um, you've certainly done that. And prior to working at Google, you worked for Nokia within a similar role, but your role then covered East, Central, and Southern Africa. And also in your past, you were um, a, a professor at the United States International University. So with all, you know, all of your journey, what are some of the quality skills and leadership styles that you've developed and are required to fulfill a similar role? For those that are listening, what, what are some of the things that they need to walk in your shoes pretty much? Right. Um, thank you so much, um, Ash, for that question. I've always thought one of the reasons why I like doing mindfulness is because it actually helps one develop their emotional intelligence. And I find that emotional intelligence is the one thing if we're all able to do, just helps us be better people and better people who others want to hang around with. And we normally break it down when we teach mindfulness. It's not just about breathing, but because that helps you get into developing emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is divided into a few um, domains or skills. The most important one for me is self-awareness. That is the foundation. If you know yourself, and this is what breathing does, anytime you take a moment to center yourself, you know yourself. You know what makes you tick. You know what doesn't make you tick. You know how you're feeling. You know your body. That is power. So self-awareness, self-regulation um, or self-management, you know, the ability to know this is going to trigger me and I need to stop talking or this is going to make me react. So I need to pause because if I continue talking, I will say something I regret. That self-regulation is very important and really critical in leadership when you know, now I need to walk away. Like Kenny Rogers, know when to walk away. <laughs> you know? um, and the other is motivation. What makes you get up every day? And I think it's important that we ask ourselves, what makes us get up every day? I know, like for Sister Speaks, for Heels for Pads, that's your passion, you know, what you want to do with young women. I think that what makes you get out of bed each morning with that excitement? If there is nothing, then you need to find out what is it that motivates me in life? And if not, then you're doing the wrong thing then you're in the wrong job and then you need to change. So motivation is important. The other thing is empathy, being able to feel with other people without getting lost in their feelings. You know, sometimes people think, you know, as a leader, you should not be empathetic. Mm -hmm. But I think empathy is the ability to feel when someone tells you, and I'll never forget. So I was listening to, I think it was uh, Julie Gishuru who's being interviewed um, in a podcast again for women. And she was saying how when she was pregnant at once, she had a little baby 
And she told the, uh, you know, the editor that she needed to go out, you know, um, to feed the baby. They're like, no, in this job, that's not what you do. Someone will take care of it. And that's when she knew she needed to go. But just like understanding someone has a sick baby, they need to go. That's empathy. And, you know, someone has lost someone they love, that they need to go. So I think empathy is important and links to that. And we'll talk about it maybe uh, in depth is compassion. The ability to feel for other people. And I think that that's often, you know, people think that, yeah, it's not important. It's so important to feel for people, whether they're happy, when they're happy, to also feel for the sadness, to feel like this is not right. This is an injustice. We need to do something. And I think that's what you are doing with Hills for Pads, saying girls not going to school because of their periods. That's mm-hmm. something that is terrible. As a woman, it's like, how can I make change that? How? That's compassion. It's not saying, wow, you mean people are still talking about this in 2022. So compassion is important. And then the other is just leadership, being able to have skills that make you as a leader, leading, giving leadership. And I don't mean in the sense that you are an executive director or a CEO. I think that wherever we are placed, we are leaders in our community. Um, you were just interviewing someone else, Wanjiro, who leads the Kilimani Foundation. That's leadership right there. And so we are leaders where we are. We choose to take that mantle of leadership, but some people don't want to take that. And so for me, being a leader is where you are, where no one is watching, you're a leader. And being able to take to take that with you. So yeah, but the one thing, emotional intelligence, and I could never stress this enough. There are leaders who don't have it, who have, you know, high IQ, but low EQ. Mm-hmm. And and I think that what's important is to have both, to have a balance. IQ is important. It opens the door. But what keeps you in is the EQ, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So I'm just going to chime in and say that's something that has come out very strongly on this season mm. uh, because we've been interviewing other women in high position of leadership and they have been emphasizing on the importance of emotional intelligence. Wow. And I love the way you are saying the self-regulation and knowing yourself. So I just recently started um, you know, going deeper into self-concept because as African women in African households, mm. you're always told, shrink yourself the society defines you Mm. so while you evolve and grow as a woman you're always uh shifting and shaping yourself according to other people's expectations and the world they've put within uh, for you to thrive so like thank you for reaffirming that yeah yeah, and the the only thing that also i want to say is um breathing people don't you know, what is our why? Defining mm. what, what feels like breathing for us. Right. So someone asked me, so what would be your dream job? The job that makes me feel like I'm breathing. Right. Like I don't have to gasp all the time. Right. Like I just, you know, and let me just breathe through it, through mm. that, through that. And I think that's what we do perfectly with Sister Speaks. So thank right. you for, you know, inspiring and uh, reaffirming you. that. Yes, I love it. Just taking it back to the basics, that human touch, being able to feel. So I wanted to ask you, with over two decades of professional experience in senior executive positions that focus primarily on Africa, um, what would you say are the challenges that African women in leadership positions are facing? So from your personal experience, um, what would you say are some of the things you observe either for yourself or do others? I think more alluded to it when she said we are conditioned to be a certain way 
by society. And so I think that even when we feel pain, we don't know if that's what we're feeling. Are we allowed to feel tired? Because as women, we keep going on. So society has defined that for us. So when I look at challenges, I think that one of the things is as women, because we live in this society, we are not allowed to, to almost speak up or we don't feel we have the permission to speak up. And so we watch and we look. And I, I find that one thing that I learned is that we need to speak up. We need to be seen. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm processing this slowly. But when you're in meetings, people want to hear you. You need to speak. And there's always a balance between being that person where people go, oh, Angie's going to talk again. We know it. No. <laughs> but also doing your homework and going to meetings prepared. It's so important um, that we show up prepared and are able to talk and speak up. So one thing happened. I remember when I was at Nokia, I'd lobbied for, you know, for, for VAT to be removed. We did not have a policy person. This was really a work of love because I felt that mobile phones then was going to be the first experience of internet that people were going to have. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the taxes were so high that people couldn't afford buying the Nokia phones. And I remember when it happened, it was like people had already said, it won't happen. You don't know anyone in policy. You know how the naysayers tell you it won't happen. And then it happened. And it was such a big deal. And I remember the country manager then, he was promoted and I was given a bonus um, which I used to travel to somewhere, you know, when you're, you know, I was like, yeah, I was given a bonus and a little plaque which said, you know, for helping lobby to remove the, you know, and I didn't think about it. Why is it that the country managers promoted? Why wasn't I promoted? Why? Mm -hmm. Because I did the work. I actually did the work and then got the person, you know, got our country manager to talk. But it was so interesting because he later on, when, you know, when Google called and, and, and wanted, he was like, you need to leave. Like, you're not bound to be here forever. You know, mm. he was one of my um, referees and everything. But speaking up, like when we see that, I could have asked, yeah, a promotion would have been really good. Like a bonus, you spend it. It's good money. Yes. But I was just happy. I was happy and I did not question. Mm. So sometimes picking up and asking questions and saying, yeah, so I've done this amazing thing, which is removing duty, which lowers the cost of mobile phones, which means we can sell more phones. Yes. So what are you going to do for me? Yeah. I didn't. So we yeah. don't speak up and we let it go. So for me, that was a learning that sometimes you need to speak up. If you feel you've done something amazing, we think that people, everyone has seen it. It was in the papers. Mm -hmm. It was seen. No, you still need to speak up and you still need to say, hey, I did that and own it. And I didn't. I was just happy like sport bonus. It was good money. I traveled. But now in hindsight, I was like, I could have spoken up and said, well, I also want a promotion because a promotion is, is better money and for a longer time. Yes. I didn't. So I think that that's one of the things where we don't speak up and we think that people are going to see our work and notice. Oh, they will, but no one is going to push for you. Yeah. So you better push for yourself. One. And then the other one is negotiation. I'm still not good at it. I'm not. And I, 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 I say that and it's something I'm always working on. And I admire, you know, we never negotiate. So when you, you're offered, when women are offered salaries, they don't go back and say, hmm, I think you should, guys always go back. Yeah. They push that envelope higher and like, you should give me that. And I remember when my niece got a job um, and her mother had advice or something else. And I said, you will not accept the first thing they give you. You must push back. And the mom was like, no, Auntie Dot, you know, this is, what if they say no? What is the worst that they can say, you know? 
And she pushed it a bit and they said yes. So we are not good at negotiating as yeah. women. We don't negotiate even just the contract of, okay, I'll do this or I've got a baby, so I will do this. We are not. Mm. And so I feel like if we could, if there was a skill that I would give women and young girls, negotiations would be one of them. Like if you're pushing, like, I'll do this, I'll wash the dishes, but then mom, I'm going to do this. That's yeah, I want to go out. Exactly. So I I'll go wash, out. but I want to go out. I want to go, go out for an extra hour. Exactly. <laughs> we, we start that at home and we need to teach our children to negotiate. It's powerful. It's not like they have, they're being mouthy and talking, but it's just like, let them start negotiating at home. Mm. That's where it starts. You know, let them tell you, if I do this, I'll do this. I'll do this. So negotiation is a wonderful skill. Amazing. They say a closed mouth never get fed. And we men should master that. Yeah. Ask, go for it. Go for it. You're so inspiring. And I'm learning a lot from you. Uh, so um, these are gender recent statistics uh, in terms of like, it's going to take 132 years to achieve gender equality globally. Oh my God, 132 years, which is crazy. Yeah. And the former um, UN Women Director, uh, Fumzile, said achieving gender equality is about disrupting the status quo, not mm. negotiating it. So according to Google, recent statistics show that there's currently only 28% of women in leadership positions. So in your stint of leadership over 20 years, what are some of the glass ceilings that you've witnessed and perhaps experienced that ought to be bring down and so that we can indeed uh, bridge the gap? Like what have you observed mm-hmm. in terms of your, your leadership journey? What has changed? How many glass ceilings did you have to turn into flaws because yes. you've done that? Yeah. So, and, um, you know, journey going forward. Right. That's a great question because when we talk about gender equity, it's about being fair to men and women. And I think when we look where we are now in 2022, we are really gifted. We're in a place where there's so many, how do I say, we see women CEOs, we've seen women president. I mean, we recently saw Colombian first black vice president, you know, we had uh, Ellen Sirleaf in Germany as well. We are seeing that. These are things we would never have talked about, you know, half a century ago. You know, if we just look even in Kenya, you know, we have uh, Kendi, who's now heading the uh, misrepresent in Facebook. You know, yes. uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at that, we've got uh, Agnes Gadaya, who's leading uh, the country director for Google. We've got our head for Android for Africa, Mariam, who leads, you know, leads there. We've got Catherine, who leads the Microsoft ADC Center. Women are rising. And in Kenya, especially, we're seeing that. Actually, I think in Africa, if I look at our uh, Africa leadership team, Google Africa leadership team, there are more women than men. So women are, you know, when you look at it, one can tend to feel like, yeah, women are making it. We've got the first woman running mate in our Kenyan politics, and that has changed the game. Those are things that, you know, half a century ago wouldn't have happened, you know. And so I feel like we've made great progress. However, where we are now, it's easy to take a lot for granted. And I feel that uh, all these things are very systemic. So what you said 132 years ago, how do you make a just, uh, you know, something a wrong? How do you make it right? Mm. It has been wrong for over 132 years. It's going to take us. So even when we are here now, there are some of these things that are very uh, insidious and very salient. So you don't see it in organizations. It's when people sit in a boardroom and decide, who are we going to promote? You know, there are all those things, their minds that 
we are not able to see. And I'm reading this book that I brought for you to see, um, Invisible Women, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. And what she says, Caroline Criado Perez, she talks about we live in a, in a world made by men for men. Mm-hmm. It's insidious when, when they're thinking about, tr- you know, uh, transport system and where you put the rail, who's going to hold it. They thought of the height of a man to do it. When they thought about, you know, which roads they should clear up, it's because men traveled at a certain point. So we live in a very, in a, in a world that has been built for men. And she gives the data about it. It's actually, for me, it was an eye-opener seeing that this world we live in wasn't meant for us. It doesn't cater for us. Mm. And we need to realize that we are in it. We have fitted. You know how, Tia, you fit, you mold yourself to fit in, but it is not a world built for women. Mm. And therefore, when we talk about the glass ceiling, it's also the glass ceiling that has been put there by men. You know, what does that look like when a woman goes on maternity leave as used to happen? When you come back, chances of you rising up immediately, you've been away for so long. You know, who decided that maternity leave should be three months or two months? Someone who doesn't give birth, you know? Exactly. So when we look at all those things, we... They're very systemic, and it's only a woman who's been a manager, who's had a child, who can go, I understand your child is sick, go. Yeah. So I feel like the changes we have to make right now are very salient because we've almost, we are like, if you talk to, you know, millennial people are like, no, but now we don't have to fight for anything. They're very salient systems because even in the boardroom, the reason, like in Kenya, the requirement has been that there must be a woman in the boardroom because it was all men, yeah. you know? Um, it was when men went out drinking after work, this group, and they talked about who should be promoted. You as a woman were out back with the kids trying to do things. So you need to look at all those things. And I think almost with a microscope because they're systemic. And in 2022, they're not things where, you know, it's not that you've gone on maternity leave, you'll not make it. No, it's not that um, you're a woman, you won't make it because now we're saying it's equal, it's fair. But it's it's really insidious. It's when we're thinking of who should have this responsibility. Should it be John or should it be Mary? Mm-hmm. John got that responsibility next time it should be Mary. It should be a system that says, if it's a man this time, it's a woman next time. And I know women are like, I don't want to be to get a job because I'm a woman. I'm just a woman. I want it so equal. Fair. Mm-hmm. But I feel like having those systems where so-and-so has experienced that. Yeah. So-and-so has been out. Now this time it should be so-and-so. Mm. I feel like we need to ask those questions. They're difficult, but they are there. And and that's what Invisible Women is all about. For me, it was like I was reading it and I'm... Aha I moment. want to react like, so bad. What? Like, oh, yeah. And if you love data, it just shows you... It. I work for a company that everything has to be database. So when you look at that, you're like... Yeah, no wonder this is it. So even now, we have these opportunities where we are telling our stories, like you've been Mm. interviewing women. You've created that space. You'll not find mainstream media that's saying, oh yeah, we want to celebrate women all the time. It only happens International Women's Day and then we move on. on. Then we move on. Yeah, But we need this consistent Mm. storytelling Mm. and we need to to think of what are the ways, you know, what you're doing with Hills for Pads, for instance. Girls miss school because they have their periods. What does that do in the long run in terms of your performance? If you start there, 
some will drop, some will. So for me, then, fairness, it's still the glass ceiling, but I feel we need to still start there. There's so many things. If parents have to choose who will miss out on school in it's the village, always the girl. it's always the girl. It's always the girls that don't go to the playground because boys do it all the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I was, I, I, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm like, it was going to be my next question okay. about the importance of African women telling their own stories. Mm. In your communication right. sector and in your experience, how are we, how is the media or other spaces uh, contributing to women not telling their stories and owning them? Right. And, and, and that's really good. I'm thinking of, there's a program we, we do, a, we share at Google and we teach it outside Google as well. And, and, and your listeners can actually go to it and, and register because we teach it out as well. It's called I Am Remarkable. I knew that's what you knew what I was going to say. <laughs> I love it. I Am Remarkable. Yeah. Did, I, did I tell you you're remarkable? So all three of you are remarkable. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're doing it takes amazing one to work. One. <laughs> but I'm Remarkable is about women have never been comfortable with saying this is what I'm good at. We feel like that is showing off, you know, uh, you can't do that. But we are saying, no, if you've done it, it's real. It's grounded on a fact. It's data-based. Like, you know, uh, did I lobby to remove VAT? Yes, I did. Did it happen? Yes, I did. Why do I feel embarrassed talking about it? Because it's a fact. So helping women see that this is a fact, like when you introduce yourself, letting people know you're remarkable because of what you've done. Mm-hmm. You know, you've taken care of your mother. You've taken care of your family. You've been there. There's so many remarkable things about us. So you could go on the website. I think the website is I am remarkable dot with google.com yeah. and register mm-hmm. and it really helps underrepresented groups be able to say they are we live in a culture where people want to know what makes you stand out but the minute you start owning that that this is i am remarkable and lash knows this sometimes even i am not good at owning that and i'm like oh that's a bit too much and and just remind me i am to say i'm remarkable and i think when we own that we are remarkable that's really good the other thing that we the other course that we teach that i find has been really helpful and i think can help other women is also um we have a women at group within google where all women gather together that is how can we help one another when it comes to promotion how can we help create stories if you hear there's a you know your organization is looking for a woman how do you let other women know so they can apply and those women groups are really important and i feel like maybe in kenya we've got the chamas but but let's not just make the chamas about money Mm -hmm. but almost about letting people feel good about what they're doing almost appreciating one another i feel like it's not just about you know we are drinking together and we are raising money together but the inner things that we need to do making women feel amazing with themselves saying you know what you did more the other day was amazing it's remarkable and you are remarkable because we need to hear that and we need to get used to that uh, idea so having women groups sister speaks for mm. instance where you're getting all these young women teaching them how to own their space and focusing on like the internal which is a perfect segue exactly of what i wanted to ask is a lot of us focus a lot more on the external exactly. factors and right. we 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 don't really 
we need to look within ourselves. And there's a there's this lady, um, Aya Chebi, a Tunisian diplomat, who's a Pan African and feminist activist. She once said, "There are only two things you need to do: find your identity mm-hmm. and live your mission. I you need that. to know who you are and what you stand for. Once mm-hmm. you know your identity, know why you wake up every day and why you mm-hmm. do what you do, and that's your mission. So yes. the thing of like what Mo was saying about like you want to be in a role that right. just allows you to breathe, and you don't want to wake up and think that's why I actually quit my last job is like you don't want to wake up and think oh I don't want to do this today. Right. So, right. Um, I think as we like come to the end I mm-hmm. think it's also important to share about um, some of the things that you've learned so there's someone mm-hmm. listening and thinking yes I really admire Dorothy I want to take those next steps what I like just summarize it really quickly the three best career tips that you can give to somebody mm-hmm. I would say normally I think that when we divorce career tips and life tips so me I want to, to look at it holistically it's about okay. life yeah if this is your life, this is really what it is, what what should drive you, and I, I don't know. Um, I remember when I was in campus, I read, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Steve, Stephen Covey, he, he passed on, but he wrote The Seven Highly, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective. Yes. You know, that book changed my life then. I used to, I mean, for the longest while, would write, what is my mission statement in mm. life? But one of the things he's done, and, and lately now tied to mindfulness, was this idea of starting with the end in mind. If this was your last day, what would you do better? Would it change? And what would you not do? Because it's not important, Mm. you know? And some things we do in life are important. Some are urgent, some are not. So learning where to... What do you prioritize? And so one of the things I like, uh, you know, our the Google founders had 10 maxims that guide us. And one of them was that the number 10, there were 10 maxims was great just isn't good enough. Mm. You know, we settle for like, this is it. Like you need to aspire to do more, to excel. And even once you excel, like don't be satisfied, don't be content, always pushing the boundaries. And so for me, what I know is you're great at something. That's the start point. That's not the end point. So don't be content Mm. with, there's never like I've arrived, pat on the back. (laughs) Now I can run. No, this quest for being great is something we do every day. And how do you push the boundaries in everything that you do? And I really feel sometimes, and I've reacted with many, uh, interacted with many people in the country. Sometimes I feel like as a country, we really need to fight mediocrity. I just, you know, I, I you meet, and you know, it doesn't matter whether you're you're dealing with this mediocrity is a disease. You know, where you want to do the bare minimum to survive. And then hope that all's well. I'm just like, no, mm. it's not good enough. And so pushing that boundary to to be able to to do it. And the other thing is to never take no and, and, and not in an aggressive way. It's like someone who says, I can't. For me, that word doesn't exist. I can't. What do you mean you can't? You can. It's not so, part of my journey today. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I can't. You know, when I go and, you know, even when I'm asking for something, someone says, we can't do it. I go, is there someone who is senior than you who I need to talk to? Mm. And then they look, yeah, because <laughs> if it's going to stop with you, it's not good enough. You know, like I never take no for an answer. I'll push that, you know, what well, that's that's what we need to do. And then the other thing I, I also think is we live so much in the future. 
And so that back brings back my mindfulness. We are, oh, you know, when I make money, I'm going to do this. When I get this tender, I'm going to do this. No, I am like living the present moment. So what we're going to do now today in this podcast is we're going to give our best shot. You know, we're going to give it our best. That's what we're going to do. And so for me, it is living in the present and giving the people around you the best of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So we're just about to wrap it up, but before we do so, we're doing this with every woman. We've given you an imaginary billboard just over here in Westlands as you're driving. <laughs> and in this and in this billboard, um, we're gonna put a quote by Dorothy Oracle. But this quote is yeah. to tell us what does leadership mean to you? Oh, is that what it's about? What does leadership mean to me? Leadership for me is about inspiring. It's inspiring others with the vision we've put. So let's take the thing of um, great just isn't good enough and about the mediocrity that we see in our lives. I would say inspire people to bring their best every day. And that when you go to bed and you ask yourself, did I give my best today? If there's a place where you didn't do it, go back. So I want to inspire people to bring their best every day. Every day. I love that. I absolutely love that. I have loved listening to you and I wish we could we had more time to keep going. So maybe we'll have you back if you if you'll allow us. Um, but you have been listening to the Overreact podcast, a space where we openly ask the tough questions and have had conversations to trigger change. Um, Special thanks to Kofisi 9 Studios where we've been recording this particular podcast and all the other podcasts too. It's an excellent space, a place that we definitely encourage content creators to come and, you know, do the same thing that we're doing. And you can tune in to other uh, episodes like this one uh, every Monday at 10.30pm on uh, East African Time on Capital FM. You can also find this very episode digitally on SoundCloud uh, on Capital FM Kenya, Sister Speaks Global Podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google and Anchor. I've been your host Monica Mohoya. Interact and follow us at Sister Speaks 254 on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You have been listening to the Overreact podcast. It's been amazing. It's your girl Angela Wamboy and remember, be a leader where you are. Hey. And it's your girl Lash Angela and I will end with my personal quote which is I aspire to inspire before I expire. Ooh. So yeah, ladies, let's, let's overreact. overreact.